Welcome to The Winner's Edit, a Survivor storyline and editing podcast. I'm your host, Joe. And I'm your host, Dan. And on today's episode, covering episode 7 of Survivor Ghost Island, Gotta Risk It for the Biscuit, we have a special guest. Hey, I'm Matt. I'm here special guesting. Yep, and we brought Matt on. We usually watch the show with him live, and not only is he a great person just because he's like a super fan and um, has great like viewpoints on the show. But today, as the pre-merge winds down, we're going to want to talk about the tribes that it consisted of and how those apply to the future winner's edit. Yeah, a long-time sort of educating principle has always been sort of like the idea of the complex tribe. And my go-to expert, I think possibly the most knowledgeable on the internet about this topic, is our friend Matt. Uh, so we thought it would be a great time, considering tribes are over, to bring in somebody who knows a whole lot about complex tribe theory. So, uh, yeah, Matt, uh, based on, like, what is your sort of relationship with complex tribe theory as a tool for this sort of thing? Yeah, so I think that, uh, you know, just to provide the viewers with context about me and my history with edgic uh, i started doing edgic back on survivor sucks way back in gabon um so what what's that like 15 10 years ago now um long yeah, time ago. 10, 10 years ago uh and gabon was a very weird season to edgic for you know a lot of people myself included as i was learning a lot of these principles got it wrong because you know bob kind of came from nowhere and complex tribe theory and it's sort of like sister theory around like negative tribe edits um were a big part of what confused people about that season um because on the one hand like you had this coda tribe that was like the more dynamic tribe had better long-term story threads versus this fong tribe where everything was about that vote and that was being portrayed as this awful dumpster fire of a tribe and then after marcus got but after marcus got eliminated it was like okay but the fongs were in control of the game and the one person on Coda with the consistent edit has now been eliminated what's going on and I think that like more sort of strict adherence to sort of those core principles would have helped identify that like the winner was actually going to be a Coda the entire time um so yeah and that's something that I've always agreed with too like Gabon is such an anomaly in terms of just the way the story was presented Bob is not a typical winner at all but long time sort of complex tribe theorists have always been like people should have realized bob was the winner because he was the only one who made sense so like after marcus leaves yeah. essentially yeah right? in, in retrospect i would adhere to even after marcus because frankly no one else on coda to anyways we're getting a little bit into the details here but like basically the idea behind complex tribe theory is really the storytelling principle that the winner exists on the pre-merge tribe or series of tribes that are complex and complex here specifically meaning the tribe that is shown the most level of detail of like interpersonal dynamics that don't immediately pertain to votes that happen during the pre-merge. So yeah, I think that's a perfect definition. There. So like, and, and you know, you, if you want to like take a step back and talk about it at an even higher level, it's like, basically it's what tribe gets the stories that aren't immediately resolved in that episode. It's really what it comes down to. And so like with the Gabon example, like Coda had all these interpersonal dynamics with like Charlie and Marcus and Bob is this out of this sort of like outer person to this onion alliance and like their distrust of Susie and Dan and all this stuff that really never meant anything because that tribe never went to tribal council. Whereas Fong, the tribe 
squad that was going to tribal council every time was literally just getting content about who was going to go home each week. And that principle is, you know, generally held true season to season that, like, the winner is on that tribe where those interpersonal relationships are highlighted when they don't really matter. And I mean, it makes sense on more than just a complex tribe theory basis, right? Because if you're telling a story, you want your main characters to... You want, you want to understand the world they're living in, the relationships they're building, and it makes sense to have the winner come from the tribe that has more of those. Yeah, it's a separate theory, but ultimately it just makes sense when you're looking at the story to factor in, like, where they're coming from, who they're talking to. Yeah. Like, what characters are around them? Supporting characters are just as important to a protagonist's story as the as anything else, really. Yeah, ab- absolutely. And that's why, you know, it's always funny when you read theories like, oh, could Chelsea be the secret weird anomalous winner? Like, no, because nobody knows who she is because she hasn't said anything. And, like, you know, people like us, people who listen to this bot, podcast like we're all very heavily invested and we're paying attention to like every little detail that's going on but like the average viewer is like barely paying attention while they watch survivor and can like remember four people so like the winner is going to be someone who is like germane to the stories that are being told kind of throughout the entire season it's why a winner like michelle was really easy to peg because michelle kept getting these storylines that like had no bearing to anything that was immediately going on. Yeah, and I think it's no coincidence that I feel like Ejek really spikes in popularity following Ko Rong because people are like, wait a minute, how did everyone know that Michelle was going to win? How is there this vocal minority who is just certain, Uh, especially in a season that wasn't spoiled? So it's like, I feel like, the two go in hand in hand where it's like the kind of rise of edgic popularity i feel like has so much to do with Korong and michelle because to a casual audience is a blind side but to edgic it was like on episode and, two episode three and even yeah, beyond cat sorry go ahead go ahead Jeff. i think on uh seasons like Korong or game changers where the eventual winner doesn't go to a lot of tribal councils um it's easy to sort out the complex tribe theory then because you're getting someone who's getting a lot of content even though it's not relevant to the immediate story. I think it gets trickier when you get a more even season like Heroes versus Healers versus Hustlers or something like that. Yeah, I mean, I would disagree a little bit with Triple H. I think what in terms of like how you framed it, because like in Triple H, you still had kind of one tribe going to most of the tribal counselors like hustlers 1.0 and then hustlers 2.0 both went to like two out of three tribals of those phases yeah because ryan ended up going to like five out of six tribal councils or something uh, like that. four out of six but basically and like what was really harder there and i think that like as we get into like this specific episode um what's harder here as well is that when you have three tribes and then with uh this most recent episode of ghost island you've had three tribes plus ghost island which takes up a scene it's harder to identify a complex tribe in that because like every tribe is going to get shown at least once an episode and the amount of time you have that can't that you're that the editors are able to dedicate away from like the story of the vote that's happening that round becomes very limited the bandwidth for that goes much lower and i think that like as we talk about this most recent episode gotta risk it for the biscuit as we talk about that more specifically like i think that one thing we'll end up talking about a lot is that like this episode really felt like the show was in a holding pattern like nothing really happened that's going to matter here versus in previous episodes where you know we maybe saw more development yeah especially in this episode you have three advantages coming 
out Ghost Island, a tribe swap, three tribes. Really, there's not a whole lot of time for any sort of long-term stories that aren't immediately, also immediately relevant, right? Like, you do get Michael's idol will matter down the line, but not in the, not in sort sort of a long-term story in terms of a, this is necessary for a plot down the line. Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, so maybe we, what we should do is focus on this season now, um, and basically maybe we should walk through kind of like each tribe and what makes each one like could be the complex tribe etc etc yeah so go through each stage so the first two episodes and then from morgan to stephanie and then now james and bradley yep so 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 let's start with just original malolo versus original navidi so um obviously malolo is kind of positioned as the losing tribe they lose both tribes they lose both challenges and go to tribal council twice. A lot of their airtime is dominated by Jacob Derwin, uh, and we've kind of talked through in the past of just sort of what that means for the story. But I think looking at it under this different lens of complex tribe theory, uh, what were your takeaways from this like premiere? Essentially, yeah. So I think the takeaways from the premiere, um, the premiere was a little bit wonky because like like just putting sort of the conclusion first like navidi 1.0 to me was the complex tribe but it was also a complex tribe where half of the tribe got ignored which is weird. which is super weird which is weird but like if you think about what happened on malolo they went to two tribal councils and the sort of two episode story arc that we got there was incredibly dominated by jacob and why this clown is a fucking clown like <laughs> and just like his downfall right like really i feel like this that this the story of those two premiere episodes was the fall of this character this like incredible demise but really doesn't set up long-term relationships at all yeah and of and course like, we sorry, talked about it before but um the two episodes that we talk about were like the whole premiere on the same night so it's like this one big block of content and it's weird that just the one tribal phase is all in that one night so yeah it definitely set up this like very narrow arc for those initial tribes and like like if we if we just break down every story that got touched on malolo versus on navidi on malolo in the first half you have uh jacob being an idiot and ultimately getting sent to ghost island and that saving him you have donathan as this like character that they're introducing underestimated yeah underestimated he's building a relationship with he's building relationships with people that he wouldn't get to meet in his like in his natural western kentucky is it environment like he yeah i think, I think it might be eastern kentucky yeah. but i'm not but like you know he, he's talking about how like you know people like laurel like james those people don't exist where he's from and he's really excited to get to meet them and befriend them and you know donathan and laurel is a relationship that comes up on a recurring basis in later yep. parts of the of the season as it progresses um and then you have like third the story of how gonzalez ends up going home which is entirely encapsulated post challenge like i don't even know if gonzalez appears prior to that first immunity challenge uh she she actually does she talks about how like she'll be fine in puerto because she's from puerto rico and stuff but yeah no like i, I agree like essentially the only long-term story you're really given in vd 1.0 is one michael's age being kind of kept secret which is a total personal story and second you have donathan and his like yeah. adventure and 
And other than that, in that first hour, there is nothing and, really to set up more. And, and then the flag with Michael's thing, right, is that Michael's thing is something that's, like, strictly to him. Um, Like, yes. you know, his, his age thing, I don't think, has really come up since then. And, like, it's an introduction to Michael as a character, but we don't learn more about his position in the game as a result of it um yeah 100 other than that he's capable but yeah. as we've seen by now we're told over and over again this guy's a very capable yeah. player it doesn't really have bearing to his strategic positioning exactly and then an episode and then on the flip side you have navidi who did not go to tribal at all theoretically these relationships don't matter but we are given this war right we are given chris versus dominic and this is going to be super important and we're shown who's on which side to some degree yeah and I feel like that's super crucial because these people don't end up meeting again in any sort of meaningful way. We know that till now, till the merge, there is no payoff to this story. And it was set up in a yeah. massive way in this premiere. Exactly. Like, Chris and Dominic get established in episode one. Dominic and Wendell gets established as well. Uh, Sebastian and Chris gets established. Even Sebastian and Wendell gets, like, a little bit sort of tangentially established in a scene um i mean it's, yep it's... and so did um desiree and wendell desiree talks to him not in a major way but enough like, like you see them kind of bonding over wendell making the shelter with the crabs he, he's gonna catch yeah, crabs right, and everyone's right. gonna be happy and and like wendell gets this very large personal introduction as does dominic as does chris as, like like even though des is mostly not super relevant in the first episode um you know she has the her portion about that initial challenge but after that sort of very much fades to the background and then even though like angela and bradley and chelsea you know might as well not be there for the first two episodes um you have wendell Dom um, Chris and Sebastian all getting super established in this like four person like double antagonistic pairs relationship and then on top of that you also just have like Kellen getting sort of similar to Michael on Malolo Kellen in isolation gets a bit of a introduction um yep. so that she's someone that we're going to you know remember down the road as she continues to be a fairly high visibility fairly significant character kind of throughout this pre-merge yeah no absolutely I, I, I mean obviously I think when I was first watching it the big biggest death sentence for the idea of Navidi being the complex drive is that second hour where almost half the half the everyone except for Dominic not just half is even invisible right yeah. like I mean no one is in that second episode but I don't think it matters too much I feel like with what we know now I think absolutely Navidi 1.0 was the complex tribe but that was I feel like a little bit of a like a red herring that this tribe is just gonna go go away for now. Yeah, and I think the, the I mean the second hour continued to develop the Chris and Dominic relationship, yeah. and that like yeah the screen time on Navidi during that second hour didn't really do anything else. It was really just about developing that Chris and Dominic relationship. But then you look at what happened on Malolo, and really like what development really happened there that was on a long-term basis relevant like you had jenna yeah, no, like, continuing to be jenna stephanie but like jenna and stephanie matter. gets like introduced by exposition um you know if Je if jenna and stephanie had been a relevant relationship i would have expected a more an introduction closer to what you get with like other long-term pairs like what wendell and dominic sebastian and chris got what in previous seasons you know Amanda, like Ryan Devin. Ryan Devin, Amanda Todd, yep. JT Steven, like these other pairs that matter on a long-term basis get these really strong like introductions and Jenna and Stephanie get this really brief like, hey, we're kind of the swing votes with like Brendan as a, or Michael as a decoy boot to the obvious uh, Jacob boot. Um, and then, you know, Stephanie gets content around, oh, I forgot, oh, we've forgotten in episode two for Navidi that uh, the legacy advantage with Morgan. Morgan got a scene True, for legacy yeah. advantage. Um, yeah. It's now gone to Dominic and it's just like, 
like super chilling in the background. Um, Chekhov's legacy advantage. Anyways, but like everything on Malolo, like, yeah, we got the stuff with like Stephanie getting some characterization and how she flirted with Jacob to get the legacy advantage information out of him. But again, that's like something that was very tied to that plot. We had stuff from James, yep. like about James failing the challenge and taking ownership and responsibility of that. But James was the decoy boot that was tied to that specific post IC like vote decisioning none of that was stuff that was really being set up for like longer term uh meaning and stuff that like we never revisit down the road yeah absolutely and I think like one of the biggest things here is just the idea where like even Michael who is a kind of our main character here on Malolo is in this episode talking about like the importance of like challenge performance uh I, I feel like overall it's just not a great look for Malolo and I think what we see here is that there are more entertaining characters but that doesn't mean they're more complex yeah I mean like I feel like the producers loved this original Malolo tribe like all these people are very wonderful good energy to the show but that doesn't mean like their relationships really weren't developed for a tribe that was most of the screen time for two hours yeah and that went down to that came down to like James or not James Jacob just sucking time like I think that like someone did the math and like as far as like number of confessionals a above like percent confessionals above expected he's given, the most overinflated character yeah of all exactly time. like he just and you know i don't think anything will ever compare to like russell hance episode one of samoa because that was like on an entirely other level but like jacob is kind of the closest we've seen since then except this time it was just like the show embarrassing him for two hours mm-hmm. i think the closest thing we see to something that still pertains to malolo from those first two episodes is the idea of them being the best tribe of all time and that's just something that naturally isn't going to resolve over the course of those two episodes and we're just supposed to look at it and be like is this going to come true or is it going to be a death sentence which yeah like i think overall this episode uses malolo as sort of a symbolic way to tell us like give you the motifs that are going to be important in this story but ultimately navidi is the complex tribe but I think moving on, we should probably talk about the next swap. So we have Malolo 2.0 and Navidi 2.0. Yep. And I feel like this one is much less nuanced because for me, this is where I kind of clued into the fact that absolutely one of these tribes is complex and one of them is not. Uh, so I feel like we don't have to spend too much time on it, but maybe we should talk through which one it is because I think the answer is much different than the last one where I don't think there really is much debate. One of these tribes is yeah. blatantly more complex think, than the other. I, I mean, like you had an episode where one tribe literally wasn't shown before the immunity challenge. Like You had two episodes. No, I, th- no, I think it was only once. I think the other time that like Malolo got like one pre-IC scene. But like... Yeah, it was pretty close to two, though. Like, basically, New Malolo got no content when it wasn't absolutely necessary. And it was all setting up these relationships on New Navidi, like, new storylines. And ultimately, Malolo's story was, look how sad everything is. I hope we have hope. Like, there really wasn't this push for a broader narrative at all. And to me, that's more and more when I started cluing into, oh, wow, Navidi has our winner. Yeah, I think think after episode four on my personal chart, I just scrapped everyone who wasn't Wendell, Dom, Laurel, and Donathan from winner picks. Because, like, and Chris. I think I held Chris at that point point as well but like like yeah as as you said like new davidi we got so much care and like consideration to these interpersonal relationships with like really everyone on that tribe except for james and libby was like getting this complex network of relationships with each other 
that sort of like cross everything else. And then you have like James and Libby who don't really get connected into people very well in that. And James is obviously gone at this point. And frankly, I don't really know how long Libby will be around. I think Libby is a character who perhaps doesn't matter that much to the long-term story. And so they're kind of- But she gives really good content. So when she is relevant, she they put yeah. her front and center. She's yeah. like- I, I really think she is one of those types of characters. Yeah, I mean, she's getting kind of like a similar edit. If, if I wanted to compare her to anyone at, from an edit perspective, I think that Cataly from Fans vs. Favorites is probably- Yes a good comparison like when she shows up she shows up but otherwise she's just like not a character who's really gonna matter um and then you have like so you have like all these relationships and then on new malolo it's like lol navidi majority paganging lol malolo minority and there is like the only piece of nuance we get in any of that in the only story thread from malolo 2.0 that like extended beyond that tribal phase was like this jenna sebastian thing that got set up yes that's like the only unresolved thing from that and i guess bradley being like a dick i mean but bradley is a but bradley is a dick isn't like a long-term story (laughs) that involves multiple characters it's just bradley's being a dick over and over again and people commenting that he's a dick over and over again that's not a story yeah and absolutely like on this tribe there's kellen who's still getting a lot of content but it's still it's not pertaining to anyone else and i think that's important yeah like i mean like in Kellen's entire content has just been narration and talking about how terrified she is of making a mistake while, like, it zooms in ominously on the ghost island. One mistake will haunt you forever over and over again. Like, yeah. It's really, like, in your face at this point. Like, to me, after episode one, I was like, you know what? This could be a little bit of a like a red herring but after by at this point i'm like she's gonna be in ghost island too her face is gonna show up as one of those biggest mistakes of all time that's my prediction for kellen because i feel like there's just so much foreshadowing that she is gonna mess up especially now that she has a double vote we've seen in the past that these double votes can backfire royally i am so hyped for this uh (laughs) kellen being steven fishback fishback 2.0 uh but yeah no so i I think it's pretty obvious that navidi 2.0 was the complex tribe yeah. I think the most interesting discussion comes with these new tribes. Yeah. So you get Navidi 3.0, Malolo 3.0, and Yanuya as a new third tribe. And I think my pitch here is I don't think there really was a complex tribe for this one. I don't know if this is just because of how much screen time is needed for three tribes plus Ghost Island, but overall these tribes were fairly even. Overall, they didn't really like combat too much with each other. And most of them had some sort of developed relationships, but not necessarily long-term stories and i feel like it's very interesting i one theory that i want to articulate is i think at the end of this episode this week i think the show was trying to argue three potential winners from each tribe i think it was trying to be like michael could be your winner from malolo uh dominic slash when or dominic slash donathan could be your winner from navidi and wendell could be your winner from yanuya but i think in my opinion it a little bit backfired but i do think that was kind of the intent because It was really giving each one of those three people, these figureheads, way more content than anybody else. Yeah, so the one thing I would disagree with on that is that I think actually over two episodes, and this is going to sound really perhaps a little bit weird, but I think that the way that Yanuya's storylines were developed versus Navidi's storylines were developed on these third tribes, I think that Yanuya's were a bit more forward-looking. Yeah, I agree with that. With Yanuya, like... Yanuya 
had very little content over two episodes, which given that we're with three tribes, this most recent episode, they also have to get Ghost Island in. Um, and they yeah, never yeah, went yeah, to yeah, tribal yeah. council. Like there's not going to be like there was a hard cap on any tribes screen time during these two episodes. And so Yanuya <laughs> was the tribe that ultimately got the least amount of absolute screen time. But the story that we got during their initial swap scene was the one the one thing that we really got out of them the one new thing was this sebastian wendell scene the the shell scene which like was you know if you want to talk about obvious winter scenes like that's gotta be oh yeah don't worry last week i was banging that drum like like a crazy like that that scene that scene should be raising red flags for everyone because like that scene had no fucking place being in the show if like wendell doesn't fucking win um but like that was like the one new thing that we got is like wendell and sebastian potentially working together in some world after chris or dominic and like let's be real it's gonna be fucking chris gets eliminated yeah um because now we've had that established where sebastian and wendell have a positive connection that wasn't previously established on that initial navidi tribe that hard yeah that is actually very true and something to disagree with myself (laughs) <laughs> we also get the idea that Wendell beforehand was managing Dominic and Chris's personalities individually. Uh, that idea was never really shown to us on the show before Yanuya. And now there's two episodes in a row where Wendell's talked about he's been kind of the guy who's behind the scenes controlling things and making sure they get along. And we really, that's, a, I feel like, a longish term story that we weren't actually given beforehand. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And then the thing that I want to juxtapose that to is what we got in Navidi, especially not this most recent episode, but in the previous episode, where their initial sweet scene after they swapped was about Dominic and Bradley and Libby, which yeah. then had yes. an immediate payoff this episode so it didn't use like they didn't use that chance and by they i mean the editors didn't use that chance to establish dominic's relationship with chelsea establish chelsea with donathan in any way establish like donathan and libby in any way we don't know what like donathan and libby's relationship is and they've been on a tribe literally the entire pre-merge together that's actually a really good so like the the fact that like the emphasis on that first interaction they had functionally two non post ic scenes and both of those scenes were about dominic bradley and libby and that had the immediate payoff with bradley being this most recent boot and so there's no more story thread to really keep us moving forward right and to be honest another i think massive factor against navidi 3.0 is the fact that in this episode it was portrayed as bradley gets removed because he's a dick it wasn't like so dominic could build an army it wasn't so dominic and donathan and libby can be best buddies it wasn't anything like there was no long-term story there it was bradley is a dick so we need to get rid of him he was mean to donathan like it wasn't there was no setup story at all exactly yeah i mean it's just exactly they were and and there and you know there's you can counter that point a little bit with like specific historical references where the editors have simplified specific boots within the complex group where the winner existed um you know just pulling one from memory really quickly like spencer's boot and token chains like got super glossed over um despite the fact that that tribe had the, although that was also a weird season in the sense that the complex tribe was actually this weird like cross tribal exile alliance thing um but that yeah because i think at the end of the day there is the complex tribe but sometimes it's the complex alliance if the season doesn't go into tribe versus tribe or anything like that like i feel like the more sophisticated the merge game the less tri- complex tribe theory works but the like sentiments the same where it basically often what you get is at the merge episode it's confusing and the editors want you to kind of understand the sides that are going to be forming and they want one side to be 
more complex and rootable than the other one so that there's some like immediately they can kind of just start telling you this story i feel like that's ultimately why complex tribe theory works is this necessary confusing merge episode yeah exactly and then i think that with you know getting back to this season with the third story with fucking malolo like what fucking progression did malolo have in these past two episodes it was literally continuing the kellen pagong train with and we michael still don't know if michael and kellen are friends we still don't know like at all what michael's relationship is with these people and honestly yeah like maybe yunuya is the complex tribe they're just like the least complex complex tribe ever yeah because i mean again like this most recent episode you had three tribes you had ghost island you had to cover there was a reward challenge like there was so much stuff going on that like the real estate was like almost non-existent which was like you know why this episode in and of itself like in isolation felt very much like a holding episode like it felt like everything they showed was like stuff that had to be showed to explain this episode and nothing that matters on a long-term basis really got shown like okay yeah idols got found but like that's an immediate plot point like they can't show wendell finding the yunuya idol after the merge happens and they're back on navidi's beach that doesn't make sense right yeah like yeah exactly yeah i think i agree with yunuya being the complex tribe because if you think about that first episode they do just sort of give content to everyone and it all moves forward because you get jenna's opening confessional and that's about all she gets but it's talking about how she's on that new tribe and then wendell and sebastian with the shell scene and then laurel's reacting to chris true yeah we get a vibe of how everyone views chris we get a vibe of how everyone views each other really that is the like the definition of the complex tribe that makes yeah that makes a lot of sense and to me. even though each tribe like post swap in the in episode six only got one scene i feel like yanuya's was longer um because i just like i remember more things happening during it it just yeah i think one thing that's bad for yanuya as a tribe is the fact that we still don't know anything about wendell and laurel i feel like we'll get to that more when we're kind of just talking through people but to me that is like if we're saying that that means uh the winner has to have come from navidi 2.0 yanuya 3.0 and more than likely navidi 1.0 that points to Wendell or Wendell, Chris, Wendell or, Chris and, or Sebastian. Uh, Sebastian was on Malolo 2.0 though. Oh right, yeah. right, right, it's, yeah, right. I mean, and and if and if you want, if we want to talk about like you know like I'm I've been all aboard the Wendell train since episode one, and I can talk about that in potential detail down the road. But like I have never gotten off this Wendell train. Um, but if you want to ask me like what is the one, what is the biggest thing that concerns me about Wendell's edit? It's not that Wendell has been had like visibility inconsistency because frankly like other winners have had visibility and consistency in the past especially if you're willing to look past the last like eight or nine seasons or so um yeah wendell's a very much like if he's gonna be our winner he's gonna be like an old style yeah he, he has a little bit yeah. more of an old school edit to him for sure um the thing that the one thing about wendell's edit where like if he had it i would like be like this is so far and away the winner like stupid editors stop making it so obvious is the fact that like if you read the subtext wendell laurel is like an alliance and has has been since like pretty early into the Navidi 2.0 swap. Like yeah, in Navidi in the Navidi swap, James is like, should we do Wendell or Morgan? And Laurel's and then like, not Laurel's Wendell. like, I like Wendell. I want to work with Wendell. Yeah, like, but that's just like, one tiny moment, like one little line. Yeah, I mean, and, that's and, pretty much it. And we all play, we all play like ORGs or whatever. Like when someone says that that way, that's when you know that person has a, something going on with them or wants to have something yes. going on with them. Like the subtext in that was really strong, but they've never come out and explicitly said that Wendell and Laurel is a relationship, even though they've been connected through this Wendell, Dominic, Jonathan, Laurel foursome. And so like, 
like and yeah like to me i do not understand why this is not the case and to me it's both the single biggest argument against Inuya being the complex tribe and against either of these two winning because one for laurel if you're considering her a winner contender which a lot of people are it just doesn't make sense that you wouldn't show who seems to be her number one ally i guess the answer could be if one of them's the winner and they turn on each other they don't want to develop that bond like maybe come the merge they're on different sides or something so, but at this point it does seem like they're buddies so I actually, and i still i don't think it's gonna happen so i actually kind of think it's a little bit i actually think it's a little bit different i think the i think that assuming that one of them wins or that you know or even even if donathan or dominic ends up being the winner this kind of works i think the reason that we're not being shown that specific relationship is that even though that relationship is really strong and is frankly germane to the story like as we can see it pretty clearly here i don't think it comes up in a material way at any point down the road so so like you, you know, one of two things happens. There's, you know, th hypothesis one is that, like, Wendell and Laurel get broken up due to factors external to their own so like laurel gets idled out or something um or mm -hmm. they lose majority for a round and one of them gets voted out the other hypothesis i have is like if that's not the case and like if, if we want to talk about this complex foursome from the vd 2.0 this real like after chris gets fucking booted at the merge because like that's like if not the merge episode very shortly thereafter because that's where the story seems to be going um the other hypothesis i have is that like if we do have this dominic laurel wendell donathan final four and if that goes completely uninterrupted that one pair of one of those two pairs is going to be the wins the immunity challenge and goes to the end and the other one is going to be the pair of makes fire against each other and so having this really clearly defined as laurel and donathan and dominic and wendell matters a lot because that's how that final decision gets made actually that can make a lot of sense and to be honest i feel like the one i always come or not always come back to but i think is a good example is last season in 35 you have devin and ryan establishes this super pair who are never going to turn on each other that's not necessarily true if you look at the story of the season at some parts they yeah. do break apart but the important part is they come back together at the end and i feel like that's why they were established so much as a duo not because they're going to be loyal to each other forever but because in this end game you want things to make sense and be super crystal clear and saying ryan and devon are best buddies forever no matter what their souls are together and lockstep i feel like gave you context for why devon's going to end up coming back to ryan yeah that that definitely makes sense um i just yeah i i mean i just I, th I think that like ultimately what this comes down to is like no matter what happens like nothing happens because explicitly because of laurel and wendell's relationship like yeah, I, th I think yeah. you can throw you can throw out the window like at some point in the mid merge wendell and laurel team up and flip on dominic like that's not happening yeah what laurel could flip on them because she does have all this context of like her first yeah. confessional is talking about flipping yeah, yeah but like it's not going to be like with wendell against dominic or yes, something exactly like, it's not yeah. th it's not going to include each other in that way and i I, I think that, like, as, as far as the story goes, like, you know, it, as much as it is a red flag that, like, what clearly seems to be a very strong relationship for Wendell isn't being shown, that's, like, concerning. I think that, like, you can base... It just doesn't matter. Like, yeah, like, it's just, it's not going to come to fruition in a meaningful way down the road. There's no payoff to it. The editors have other parts of the story they have to tell. And also, there's probably is something to just spelling out every single relationship Wendell has super clearly. Would probably even clue in the casual audience. Yeah. I mean, there's, like, I mean, just... <laughs> there's only so much screen time, and they have to spend a bunch of it on Chris being a clown.
<laughs> yes, of course. Uh, so yeah, I feel like that's a good sort of talking point through complex tribe theory, specifically how it relates to this season. Uh, maybe now we just kind of talk about like general thoughts on this episode. I thought it was really fun. Um, like I th- a little bit advantage heavy, and like we didn't really get many stories, but I feel like it was a wonderful downfall to a character that we've been really hyping up this whole season in Bradley. Uh, so yeah, Joe, what do you what did you make of this episode? Um, I think I liked it, which is weird given all the, like, necessary content that we keep talking about. Um, I feel like, from my perspective, it really narrowed things down. Like, I know we've talked about Wendell's premiere being really good, but his content this episode, which we'll get to, just feels so... Was so in your face. So certain, and yeah. Yeah, I, like, I would agree with that exact assessment. Like, I enjoyed it from an entertainment point of it, point of view. But up until this week, I was really kind of conflicted. All this entire time, I've been kind of bouncing forth between Donathan, Wendell, uh, a couple other people. But for the most part, those have been my primary candidates since the start. And I've always been, like, really unsure of which way to tip things, usually favoring Wendell. Um, But this episode, to me, was, as I said earlier, I think it was designed to try and position three main candidates to win. And I think it kind of failed in that promise because I feel like they went overboard with the amount of content for Wendell. I feel like he has way too many winter scenes at this point, almost to the point of, like, all his content is winter scenes. Yeah, that's, like, that's why I never really got off the Wendell train, is that, like, really... Other than the Morgan Boot episode, every time Wendell has been on screen, it's been like sirens of like this is winter content right now. Like his, yeah, his exactly. ratio so there is just the stuff really you gross. make the winter montage of at the end, right? Like when we refer to winter scene, it's like on the reunion night when he wins, they air that thirty second package where it's like Sarah Lucina talks about being a cop and now she's a criminal, and then she talks to Troyzan and then she says she wants that advantage. Like it's it's being able to boil down their story into a some quick, succinct little moments. And almost all of that is, almost all of it is Wendell's content. Yeah. Yep. Um, uh, absolutely. You know, I, I like the episode. It wasn't the most interesting episode in a lot of ways. I think that it was, you know, a lot of payoff to things that we kind of expected to happen, but it's a it was fucking a good... stick. Yeah. It's, it's the fucking stick. <laughs> I was, from the moment Ghost Island got announced, I was hoping the fucking stick would be an actual idol, and I am just so happy that it happened. I can't wait for it to be played. I think that'll be a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Especially considering James is idol did pay off in such a fun way with like him lying about two yeah the james idol thing was like fun and cheeky and shit but like the fucking stick is like just fucking legendary meme also like also the, like the fucking stick easy as shit to hide wendell having eric's fucking immunity necklace <laughs> as hilarious idol. like what do you do with that <laughs> Yeah, I guess if we're talking strategically, I think it's super interesting that uh, Wendell, Wendell and Dominic together have three idols, which is wild. Like, Legacy Advantage isn't it technically an idol, blah, blah, blah. but it, for all intents and purposes, if he uses it at the merch, it's an idol. Yeah. And then Wendell has an idol. And Wendell knows that Dominic has these two things, but Dominic doesn't know Wendell has these things. And I think that's super interesting come the merch. Yeah, I mean, Dominic is definitely the person who, I think, or not Dominic, I'm sorry, Wendell. Wendell, if you compare him to Dominic's position in the game, just generally seems to be in a better position because, like, being a strong social player is generally a better thing than being a strong strategic player, and Wendell is a clearly very strong social player who has probably a very good strategic game as well, but, like, the social game seems to really be his strength. Yes. And I think a huge thing about this season specifically, like, me and Joe talk this through every week, this show this season overwhelmingly is telling us that social game is the most important being kind to people is the most important paying attention to things being considerate i feel like if we're talking about bradley's story it's the story of how being inconsiderate is a weakness 
how treating people as objects is means to an end will basically be the like result in your end in the game and i think overwhelmingly bradley's story was telling us that as a broader thing i I feel like survivor always uses these sort of motifs to kind of tell you what kind of play is going to be good sometimes idols are portrayed as a really good thing to make alliances with and sometimes they're shown as if you do this you're stupid and here's healers hustlers cole's entire story is how leaking secrets is bad and then ben eventually pays that off later on by being the only person to keep his idol secret. And I feel like that is a huge thing with Bradley is the show is telling us that a considerate, kind person slash social game is going to win this game. Yeah, I mean, that's that's definitely a direction that you can take it. Like, you know, in the post-merge, I would like to see more immediate payoff to that. And, you know, one thing that's actually very unclear to me right now with the story is, like, where the story goes after the Chris Dominic payoff happens. Because, like, we're... I think that could go on a cartoonishly long amount of time, personally. I, I really don't fucking know how it goes on a cartoonishly long amount of time unless like unless the next like Ghost Island. unless like the next like two episodes are like chris has majority wins immunity dominic legacy advantages out like angela and then the next episode is like chris wins immunity still has numbers tries to vote Idol, dominic yeah. out again and dominic like idols out libby or something like unless like that is the fuck and then like next one like chris leaves to go to ghost island and dominic like unless some... to be honest if i'm forecasting how this season is going right now that is actually how i think it's gonna go i, I feel like chris's side's gonna win eat an idol i feel... then maybe chris wins an immunity and then like I, I feel like chris is gonna last longer than he probably should by winning I... immunities by going to ghost island I... and it'll be like idol ganza but then it'll flip and dominic's side will win i give chris <sighs> At most, this episode or the next. I think it's the same thing as Ben Cole last season, where I guess hey, Cole made it three rounds. Cole in. made it three rounds. Like maybe th- I guess three rounds is probably the absolute like life. I, I yeah, I'd probably peg Chris's. I forgot about Des. I forgot Des went before Cole for a hot second. Um, but like no, like I think that like like the like the pre-merge story has been this like Chris Dom thing, and like up until Chris or Dominic, and like again, it's going to be Chris until Chris goes home uh this story is going to keep being about that and like whatever story happens after that like sebastian and jenna as a thing seems like it needs to be resolved and therefore is probably relevant in whatever act two of the season is like kellen and michael both have been characters that have been established but like who don't really matter yet in any sort of interpersonal way yeah kellen either leaves before that's resolved or the second act is going to be a lot of it i feel like like, i feel like yeah I, i feel like the main players in act I feel like Sebastian, Jenna, Kellen, and Michael have to be, like, important characters in Act 2, and, like, yes. Dez and Chelsea, and, like... Libby, De- like Dez and Chelsea. I, f- I feel like Libby and Angela could be fodder on either side. Like, if Chris makes it past the merge episode, like, that's when I expect... Like, I'd expect, like, Libby or Angela to kind of go in that part. Um, Just because, like, Libby has a negative association with Dominic. Angela's been basically portrayed as a proxy to Chris. And totally incompetent. And totally incompetent that too but i think the proxy to chris is the more important thing here where like angela and libby are both kind of filler characters at this point who can kind of go whenever i think that they have more ability to go on either side of like filler at the end of act one or filler at the start of act two i think des and chelsea feel more explicitly like they're act two filler yeah i agree like they've slowly been building desiree she even gets a decent premiere like i feel like she is noticeably different than these other people who have been kind of invisible um but Yeah. yeah so Overall, I think that episode was good. Uh, maybe now we should go through just the tribes uh, one by one, kind of just like try and figure out like exactly what we're kind of doing here. 
trying to figure out exactly where they're going to pay off in this story because I feel like now we are at a point where you can have a reasonable guess as to where people are going to fit. Yeah, there's so many people just to gloss over for in terms of winning this game now that it, it's not useful to talk about that, I think. And yeah, the best you can do is sort of slot in where they end up. Yeah, so I guess like starting with the Malolo tribe, like as I was sort of talking about, like Angela as like act one filler who goes out I feel like Angela Chris. is the merge boot. Like I feel like there's, I would, I, I'm so close to being, like, betting money on it level. Like, to me, it just, she screams like a character who's going to leave before Chris because she has been established as his, like, right-hand man. And I feel like overwhelmingly in the past few seasons, we've been seeing the right-hand man go, not, like, the, not the villain, but his henchman going that's, at the merge. That's definitely a good point. Like, and, and, and yeah, like, if Chris wins immunity or something, like, I guess if Chris wins immunity, like, I, I just don't understand with how the story has been told. If, like, Chris doesn't win immunity, how the votes aren't on just Chris and Dominic assuming that neither of them wins immunity or like neither of them are sent to Ghost Island. I think as soon as anything happens that like disrupts Chris from receiving votes, kind of like what happened in episode 3, then like Angela has to be that boot, right? Like and and yeah. I, and I would I would say outside shot at Libby being the third choice there. Um just by virtue of the fact that Libby's only meaningful connection in this game is like a negative association with Dominic and yes. presumably like Dominic's winning out at the end of act one here so like it... I do think it could be Dominic's side wins out and Dominic actually leaves earlier than people think and maybe it's at the hands of Libby I feel like that could make sense maybe I don't think it's super likely but I do still think we have that possibility of that going on that's fair uh, but yeah like Angela Angela's not making it to like episode three I don't think she does not make any sense to me as like a long-term character no she doesn't I, like Act one, act one filler makes a lot of sense. Uh, Joe, do you have anything in addition to add about Angela? No, I'm maybe not so certain on her being so early because I just feel like sometimes they'll throw curveballs, but that's probably the best guess. Yeah, she's either that for me or like in like that double, like that one hour double boot maybe. Like, like I, I don't know. I think no matter how you slice it, like Angela is going to get voted out sort of similar to James in a lot of ways where she's like just on the wrong side of the numbers and you know there's nothing she can there's nothing do. she can really do and yeah. nothing really interesting happened like i think that like she has a sad story she's gonna she's gonna cry a lot in her boot episode probably i think that the, uh, the next person yeah. we're about to talk about is another person who's going to be kind of in a similar boat like des doesn't have any story threads she screams filler character to me in the post merge mm -hmm. i do think she could come out like i really do think she could still break out they've slowly been like giving her more and more content like she was very like over the top and like kind of funny in this latest episode yeah uh, so i do think there is a chance she is actually kind of uh like kind of like an andrea in game changers where she really just blows up in the merge and i i actually would bet money that she does more than she is right now i, I feel like she'll be a much more central character i mean much more than right now is like not a high bar i'm just saying <laughs> true like, but she has been slowly building she right will, like I, I will i will i will i will bet a lot of money on she does more than chelsea but less than kellen <laughs> okay I, I would probably agree with that but I, I think she could outlive kellen i don't know uh joe what, what are you thinking last episode we brought up this crazy conspiracy theory where she has co-opted james's edit because she got his second chance. And I think this episode was perfect content for that because she's reversed the curse of Malolo. And I don't know. It's true, she burned the flag. Someone to keep I mean, an eye on if they're being I think super weird. It would be 
Yeah, like, Desiree is one of those characters, I think, who, if she won, it would be the greatest meme ever, because her, her story is just, like, the reversing the curse of Malolo by burning it, and, like, just breaking out of the merge and being like, original tribes don't matter, but I destroyed the curse of Malolo, take that, Jacob Derwin. Uh, I, I really hope she does get some sort of, like, wonderful coming out party, because she is such a charismatic, fun character. Yeah. Uh, and I feel like the show has been sad that they can't show her too much, because I think she's not been relevant at all, really, and kind of secondary but i feel like they're hungering to give her like huge character moments or something yeah I, I i'd agree with that like every time des is on screen like she's a good confessionalist um she she's funny like you can see why they cast her but like i think that you know like i said i think that the issue is just that like with whatever happens like kellen and michael and sebastian end up being these more significant characters in whatever act two ends up being and des is going you know maybe des outlives kellen but like kellen does something monumentally stupid that gets emphasized that leads to des his downfall as well with her like so maybe yeah maybe that that's like what happens and like and that's the issue with des is that like she, her only story connection is honestly kellen yeah and it's and she ultimately is like just going to, like des is a character who by whatever happened in the season just gets lost in the shuffle yeah like i i her best hope i think is that she comes back and like if she gets an like if she's good enough of a character that she can get content despite not being super relevant i do think there is a chance that they do decide to bring her back um especially if like i really do think you're right i do think kellen is going to torpedo Desiree's game. <laughs> that is yeah. that is my prediction. Kellen, Kellen, Kellen's an important character in Act Two. Like they've spent a lot of time establishing Kellen, and they've spent a lot of time. Nothing yet. They've spent a lot of time establishing shots of Kellen with the one mistake <laughs> sign on Ghost Island. So I, I honestly, why don't we just talk about Kellen now? Yeah. My after episode one second winner pick. I was like, oh my god, why is the internet not seeing this? She is totally winning this game. And then when I gave up on her, it seems like the internet jumped on board. Because, um, like, the issue is that, like, I think a lot of people took away the wrong message from Michelle. Like, a lot of people took yes. away from Michelle. Like, Michelle got a lot, lot of out-of-place content and was the winner and that's why she, people saw her as the winner and like no the out of place content was only part of it but the other part of it was that Michelle had stories like Michelle Michelle was just carrying stories all over the place with her like Michelle had out of place stories it's not that she had out of place like, content fucking, she had out of place stories fucking made up like a pre-swap alliance for Michelle there's like made yeah. up an alliance for her and then during jury FTC speech Julia's like yeah you would have been the first boot on boot beauty and Michelle's like yeah I would have been the first boot on beauty and and then Total the entire time you're the like, wait, but what about that girls' alliance that was bringing entire Caleb as a fourth? It's like, no, that wasn't yeah. just that, that didn't exist. Like, and that's the issue. No, that's the thing is like. I like we've been talking about this over and over and over again with Kellen is that yeah she is being like connected to Michelle spiritually on like edric boards and I really don't get it because she's nothing like Kel like she's nothing like Michelle she's always gonna get content she's super charismatic she's clearly like to me the closest comparison for her is Zeke and Millennials for Gen X where the producers clearly love her she's a producer's dream she talks about the theme all the time doesn't mean she's winning she really doesn't have many long term stories well she sorry she has long-term stories she doesn't have relationships like yeah. we don't know who she, we don't know who she likes at all yeah. still other than desi and even that is talked about from somebody else angela talks about how her and desi are close that's yeah. the only time it's mentioned and like and and so that's and that's like definitely the issue with kellen and like like why she i think that just like people are holding on to her for way too long because i think that they're just resistant to the idea that like wendell and like that group is the group that just like has the winner in it it's just like <laughs> yeah like you said like it, it, and for me it's almost like she's like 
reverse shell where like <laughs> Michelle kept coming up and had all these stories when she had no place having content. Kellen has been to a lot of TCs. Kellen has been like yeah, she's she been has to Ghost been Island twice. She's been to a bunch of TCs. Like Kellen is a person who by virtue of going to a bunch of TCs like should have screen time and she has that screen time and then very little more than that. Yeah she gets like what's absolutely necessary plus this like emotional story of her like reversing her own curses and her life and trying to turn that into and this whole one bad decision thing like those are her stories but they're very personal and they're not connected to anybody else at this point and and honestly i think it's really not a good sign that the recaps keep saying things like navidi is fractured and then kellen's like navidi strong navidi strong navidi strong I really do think her story is going to be Navidi breaks at the merge and she's like, what's going on? The th- this thing I believed in this concept of Navidi, this tribe loyalty is nothing. It's meaningless. Where do I go now? I really do think her story is going to be about finding herself, finding her position in her game after Navidi implodes. And that's why she doesn't have any relationships at this point, because it makes no sense for her story to establish any relationships yeah. at this point. I, mean, I also think her story is just going to be about her doing something really stupid. <laughs> yes, that, yeah, that's, that's, like, that's going to be the other big part. I think that, like, but I, I think that no matter how you slice it, like, you know, when you look at the treatment of Kellen versus, you know, Dez versus Chelsea versus, I would say, even a little bit Jenna, like... I think that Kellen is going... Like, I think that Kellen and Michael are two of your big characters. I'm not going to say antagonists, because I don't necessarily think that they'll be the bad guys, but maybe antagonists... I think Kellen could still be our villain. I think Kellen could be your Act 2 villain. Michael maybe Act 2 villain, maybe more of an Act 2 No way, Michael's a hero. Michael's underdog. Michael Michael is, like... I feel like best case scenario uh, for Michael. We'll, we'll talk about this in a second. Yeah. He's going to be Wentworth. I'll yeah, talk about like, that a little bit. Yeah, no, like Michael, but like Kellen, Kellen and Michael have been those characters where like they've been established really well, but they don't really have stories yet. Yeah. And so yeah. like that's act two, right? Like that story, those stories have to happen at a point. Yeah. I, th- I think if we're talking about Kellen right now, I think like earlier we posited like who, what is the story going to be after Chris and Dom pays off? I think it is the, where do we go now that Navidi isn't, trustworthy now that navidi isn't a family now that my like like angela talked about my family betrayed me i feel like that's honestly going to be kellen's story too and it's going to be probably a lot of people i feel like kellen is going to be the figurehead for this story moving afterwards of like where do we go now that the world that we believed in is over (laughs) yep i I think i think we're in agreement on that like that that would make a good story for kellen um you know and i think that you know other stuff we could talk about is just like they kind of pull a new story out of their asses, kind of like, you know, last season, the Act 2 story was largely about, like, Ben versus Chrissy, and that, like, wasn't a story that they started planting, really, until the yes. merge episode itself. So I, I think that that's another thing for us to watch next episode, is, like, as we get this payoff of Chris versus Dom, either, you know... Yeah, what's forming in the background? Like, what's what's forming as, like, the, yeah, next step? Because they're going to want to thread those stories together the way they did last season, where, like, the Cole versus Ben thing had its payoff over those first three episodes, but during the same time, they started really developing that tension between Chrissy and Ben that would yes. then drive Act 2 of Triple H. Uh, Joe, do you have anything else to add about Kellen? Uh, I don't think so. Like we said, her edit looks good on paper, but... Oh, yeah, like, 
all this season we've been talking about how she has the poster at, like the edgic chart of the winner but not the story of the winner i think that's actually still true like she got cp3 or something this episode yeah. just a, like I, she continues to get theoretically good content i think i but... just i think I, I think i've gotten so fed up with kellen that like i've just started moring her where other people are giving her cps because <laughs> like it's a lot of the same things even though in isolation they're complex it's like but it's yeah. not really new and they've essentially given us repeat content from her multiple times like not we went back and checked it's not actually repeat content but she basically says the same things word for word about her divorce multiple times and reversing the curse and the survivor gods but it's like she yeah also i don't i don't really particularly like her as a character (laughs) okay so joe walk us through what your feelings on michael were in this episode um i don't think he got the content that he needs again like i've been off the michael train for a while but like so he should be the super underdog that's like if anyone is spearheading the charge to burn the malolo flag it should be him but i feel like desiree gets more of that credit granted it it could be that desiree just said that i guess like and you can't like lie and say it was michael's push like i do think he was associated with that story at least Mm. yeah i think i mean i think I feel similar things about Michael like I feel about Kellen. Like I think he's going to be important. They've shown they've established his character really well. And he has been important. He, I mean he's been meaningful to immediate plot lines, but like there there's definitely a lot less of Michael they could have shown. Absolutely. True. Like his epic uh, bar yeah. is like oppressive compared to all these under the radars that are dotted around. But I mean Yeah, 100%. Michael's like an okay character. I think you guys like him more than I do, but like He's my favorite on this season. Um, I mean, he's, like, unreasonably hot for an 18-year-old, but, like, <laughs> that notwithstanding, um, like, he, I, I think he is, like, actually a charismatic character, and Michael's actually, frankly, someone where, like... I, I would, think he's the best player on this season. I'm, I'm not actually... Uh, I, I actually think that it's when, that Wendell and Laurel are a cut above everyone else, but, like, I think with Michael... True, with, okay, yeah, I mean... What, what, what was I think he's the best character that we've really seen in action, because I do think Wendell and Laurel... Like, I mean... As of right now, they could be terrible Survivor players. Like, they really could just show up at, a tri- like, their second Tribal Council or whatever and just True. not have any idea of how to play. I guess this would be Laurel's third, I guess. Fourth. Yeah. Four. Really? Okay. <laughs> but, like, I guess for me, like, the thing with Michael that's impressive to me is, like, like he is, like, he is good and he is clearly hustling and doing a lot there and he is 18 years old right now. Like, I don't. Like, I'm not sure if you guys remember what you were like at 18, but when I was 18, I was like, like, I wouldn't have even been like Will Wall's level of quote unquote proficient at Survivor. Like, I would have been more of a train wreck than that. And like, Will Wall was a bit of a fucking train wreck because he was 18 years old. And when you're 18 years old, you don't have life experiences. You don't have like composure or maturity. And playing Survivor at 18, it's also just harder to socially connect with people because you're the youngest one by a substantial margin. Yeah, you have less in common. Differences matter. And, like, the fact that Michael can do this this well at 18, I want to see what a fucking 25-year-old Michael can do. Like, oh, yeah, like, I feel like of people, like, if we're going to call who's going to come back, I feel like Michael is absolute top of the list, almost no matter where he places from now on. Yeah, and, like, but, like, I think for me, the big thing is, like, I don't want to see Michael back in, like, two years. I want to see Michael back in, like, ten years. Or yeah, like I agree years. with that. Like, because I just, I, I would love to see what, like, given how good he is now with some maturity and with like with like with more maturity and with more experience like what is he capable of i do think there is a chance he comes in talking like uh rudy <laughs> oh my god <laughs> maybe he just ages at an absurd accelerated pace but anyway okay so i think you brought up a fun point with will wall 
I think what we should do, everyone, will he come in a better or worse position than Will Wall? What place uh, did Will get? I think he came seventh, correct? Seventh. No, Will came eighth. Sunday came sixth. Sunday came no, seventh. No, he came seventh. Oh, oh, yeah, you're right, you're right. So he came eighth place. Yeah, yeah, he came eighth so place. So I'll say he will do better than Will Wall. Seventh, sixth finale. Yeah, I think he'll do better than Will. I'm Tragic. I thought there would be more dissension here. <laughs> I'm going to hot take and say I think Michael will also get eighth place just Ooh, to have okay, cool. I, I think that like just that makes like, sense to me to be honest like yeah. I, I think that like like you know plus or minus a few like you know it feels pretty right just that he's going to be a major sort of anti-hero-y character in the second half or like another hero or like the underdog hero or something but he's like not part of that sort of core complex group so like you know, if you want to talk about final four, five, or six, even, like, it feels like only one per or two people from the non-complex group, really, are probably making it that deep. Mm-hmm. And Michael is, like, super not connected to, like, anyone in that group. Yeah, I think that's a totally fair point. He does really feel like he'll be in that tier. I think his upside would be fourth place. I do think that's a possibility. Or kind of like like the J spot, like sixth place. Like I really do think he could be our robbed goddess, if you will. Yeah, I think... Uh, our fallen angel. But I, I don't... I, I would more wager that he'll come like sixth, seventh, eighth. I would say area. I would say somewhere between like ninth and sixth seems yeah, like yeah, a pretty, that sounds pretty about right. decent range. If this is a twenty person cast, I think there could there, there is a chance they do this like weird six person finale, and if they do, I feel like he's a good possibility for what sixth was, place. What was the finale? Millennials v Gen X had a six person finale, right? It was yep. six, yeah. Uh, what did Game and Changers ga- have? Yeah, I don't remember. Yeah, what Game Yoshi Changers had six was. because six three was first. Yeah, three was first. So I think that, like, it seems like the standard for 20-person seasons is a six-person yes. finale right now. Yeah, which isn't great. It's... It, it rushes things for sure. Mm-hmm. But yeah, anyway, that's enough for Michael. Uh, let's move on to Yanuya. First, we could talk about Chris, who is probably my favorite character. Him and Michael are the top two oh, for me. Oh, God. Chris um, is a fucking gold Dude's mine. not winning. <laughs> oh, God, no. Like, you want to talk about, like, you want to talk about tonal consistency issues in a winner? Like, Chris, Chris has tonal consistency out the wazoo, and I fucking love it <laughs> oh yeah super positive super negative super mixed like we like i, I think it's kind of interesting that we're getting almost like a full view of everything like a full character study of chris but it's all ridiculously over the top quality so it's like yeah. a well-rounded caricature of this person and it's hilarious like i just I, this is one of my all-time favorite survivor characters already i i i don't actually ever want to see him back probably because i do think it's because of the story and i do think his, his story will be resolved um but like dude is just incredible tv i'm sad that i think he missed my edgic chart every week because he was always like sixth or seventh or like sixth fifth ish area of me being like hmm could chris win <laughs> but as of this like he's totally eliminated oh no oh, um, oh god he's i mean he's he is like Dominic and Chris is going to resolve in the early merge. He'll be booted and then we'll get to act two of the season, whatever act two may be. And like, you know, like I agree. I think Chris is just amazing TV. Like the fucking gif of him celebrating the pastries and saying he wants the chocolate ones. (laughs) Like that is legit. Just like my favorite fucking shit. He's just like, I like you. I like you. I like you. I like you. I like me. (laughs) Yeah, shit like that. He's just, like, he is, like, the dude is just good television. Like, at the end of the day, that's all it is to it. Like, and that's fine. Yeah, and our yeah. preseason episode, we both kind of thought he would be gone fairly early. Like, he would be kind of in that Bradley spot where he turns everybody off and they vote him out. But him never going to Tribal, I think, is the best case scenario <laughs> for this season. Like, <laughs> we never get to see if people, like, liked him or not. Because we, I think deep down we know the answer is they didn't. But we never really had to confirm that. 
that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, a merge with Chris in it is a better merge. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 made for good TV, but like you know, Chris, may you rest in peace. Uh, your survivor chances are going up in flames pretty soon, and I think anyone with a functional eye towards storytelling can see that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Jenna. Ne- Jenna's next. I think Jenna's interesting because, like, Jenna is, like, that person where you want to call them fodder, but she has, like, a Way story. too much content to be fodder. Yeah. Yeah, she, she, like, she has that story with Sebastian. She has, like, a story, and it's really a question of, like, when is the payoff for that story? How far does that story take her? Like, if, yeah. you, wa- if you want to talk about sort of, like, people who I think are, like, the small characters to make it deep or towards the finale, I think Jenna's a great bet for that. The thing that shocks me is, like, Michelle got so much comparisons to Kellen, and up until very recently, the character who is so much more like her on this season was Jenna. I feel like between me and Joe, every week we've, like, I I bet Jenna is occupied an absurd amount of our podcasting time because every week it's like (laughs) why is this girl getting all this content i feel at this point it's the dream is finally over like she was invisible in this episode well i think for this episode with regards to yunuya like being invisible isn't a death sentence and i'll get to that with laurel more so but definitely her last episode was not what we needed from jenna i mean yeah and like even when she's con- like she's connected at the hip with major in-your-face character Stephanie, and like there establishes this duo, I really thought there's a possibility it would be kind of a Natalie Anderson Jeremy thing where Jenna picks it up because they really were setting her up in that way. And then I also like her and Sebastian together were portrayed as Jenna like strategically deciding to flirt with him and get him to save her. Like it wasn't portrayed as like I really like this guy. It was portrayed as I can work him and like getting strategic content for what's essentially a showmance. And I feel like all this kind of stuff just be- kept being like Jenna's edit is such a mystery. Like what is going on? Why is this happening? And just recently, unfortunately, they kind of gave up with that. But I really yeah. feel like if they committed a little bit more, she would be at the top of all the like our edgic everything i think if she gets like a really random like strong merge episode i would be perplexed and like maybe just put her back just like because it's so confusing but mm-hmm. i don't see that happening yeah i still think there is a weird world where she wins like she's one of those people who it doesn't actually make sense her story doesn't quite make sense but like she still has the story of her face and like she wants people to see her as more smiley and enjoyable. She has the story of working Sebastian. She still has, like, she talks a lot about how you can go from the bottom to the top. She talks about that in multiple confessionals that get aired. Like, she really has a lot of stories, but then just vanishes. It's very weird. Yeah, I would I would say that, it's, that like, if I were to think of, like, recent comparisons, it feels a little bit like uh, Lauren last season. Mm-hmm. Um, Like, just like Lauren last season had so many just weird mistimed peaks and then we just disappear for a while and jenna feels almost like a lower key version of that where like Hmm. i feel like if you wanted to say like who is like most likely to finish in like sixth place i think that jenna is a good pick for like sixth place because it's just like the spot where like it kind of matters and that person needs to like have stories because they made it deep but like it's also kind of sixth place and sixth place really doesn't matter that much so like yeah i would probably agree with that and like i think that i guess that's the thing with jenna it's that like like, i also think she'll be a major character in the second arc i I think that jenna's gonna I think Jenna will be a minor-ish character in the second arc, but she's going to be, like... I think that, like, it's... Like, Jenna will be more relevant than, like, Desiree to the ultimate outcomes of things, but I don't think Jenna's gonna really drive the ship on any of it. I think she's always gonna be, like, the yeah, supporting character. True. She feels like Ashley-ish. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, actually, Ashley's probably the best example. Yeah. Where Ashley did all keep getting content, but it was like, she still doesn't look like a winner. Um... 
I think one thing is like if she wins, she'd be like the closest to like a Danny Boatwright winner that we've had in a long time. Um, I do think it's almost completely off the table because we do have such viable candidates. But I, I would I, like if all if like Wendell's merge episode is like him being awful and Laurel's episode is hit, like if somehow we get to a situation where all these kind of leading candidates are just shown as irredeemably awful or something and like we have to eliminate them, I feel like then Jenna climbs back up. Yeah, but just... the fact that there are these viable candidates makes you take her off the table, just like people took Ashley off the table despite getting like theoretically good content. Yeah, and I, I think that the big thing is if you want to start talking about like Danny Boatwright esque, like the real UTR, like Danny Boatwright, Natalie White type winners, like Laurel is just a better candidate yes. for that. Yeah. So yeah, honestly, let's talk about Laurel now. Yeah. Joe, is Laurel your number one right now? No. No, Wendell's okay. way better now. And I would almost consider eliminating Laurel, but like I said, I think Yanuya didn't need content, and thus it's okay that she was pretty much invisible, but... Yeah, last week for me, I put Wendell, Laurel, Donathan, and this week I eliminated Laurel. I do get that maybe it makes sense to not show her, but like to me, it's just a one too many ignored when she shouldn't be to really justify it. I don't see a character who is like, we don't have a Stephanie LaGrosa in Guatemala. We don't have a Russell Hans. The closest is Dominic, but there's not a second. I really don't think her story, we've been positing a lot that she could be like the second coming of this Natalie White character, but I just don't think it's on the table because I feel like she's missing one a little bit too much. I think she's a more captivating character than Natalie white and i think in addition there just isn't that's I, I don't see that story being formed of why somebody loses unless it's kellen but i don't <laughs> think kellen's gonna make it that far i think i honestly think that the for me the biggest thing that's like why the laurel under the radar win is like why that dream is dead to me and i still have her on my chart at for posterity's sake of having more than like two people um but like the, for me the big reason why it's kind of dead is the fact that wendell exists Yep. Like, like he's I, already our behind the scenes winner. Like, unless it's like a Dominic Laurel final two. Like, yeah, in which case we know I it's a final it happening. three. Like, the presumably it's a final three because that's what we've had in twenty person seasons for forever. And um, Jeff announced that the fire making would be. Oh right, we back. we know that because of the fire making, right? Um, so like we know it's a final three, which means that for that sort of type B UTR winner to win, it has to be the story of like why two people lost. And I guess really the last time we had that was South Pacific with yes. Coach and Albert. And like, okay, we have Dominic, but then who is the second one? Like, okay, Brad, let me Brad let me speculate gone. here. The only characters on the table I think for this mold would be a Dominic. Oh, Libby and Jenna. Helen. Jenna. Oh, Jenna's face. Yeah. Okay. Jenna. Those Jenna, are the, like, Jenna. Yeah. So like for Laurel to win with that edit, like if Laurel's next ed- episode has to be about Jenna, Kellen, Libby, and uh, <laughs> or Dom- <laughs> whoever. Yeah, and Dominic forming an alliance. Like yeah. that is the that is the world where Laurel wins. Yeah, like, if this, we're this, is, this is the world we're talking about, guys. Like it's and that's the issue is that like you know if if Laurel's an FTC with Donathan, if Laurel is an FTC with Wendell, like they have edits that stand up more in their own rights. Yes, Laurel and, is a com- like f- against people, like a re- very reactive edit. One of her best content scenes is her reacting to Chris, uh, like reacting to Jacob Derwin. These are the moments where Laurel shines, and there isn't the character who is that foil. Yeah. Well, at least there are two characters who are closely connected to her. That yeah. is that foil. And like, and I, I think for me that like, if, if Laurel had won this season, I think that you 
that, you know, perhaps she does have a low-key pre-merge, but, you know, in that scene in episode one that establishes Donathan and Laurel, Laurel gets professional it. there. Yeah. You establish, like, like, I think that Laurel, like, a lot of the issue with Laurel is that this, like, even Nat, like, even Natalie White. Natalie White, even though she only had, like, a disgustingly low number of confessionals, still at various points got to tell the story from her point of view. Yep. In episode one, Natalie gets a confessional about her relationship with Russell. Several episodes later, she gets another confessional about it. In Ashley's boot episode in Samoa, Natalie gets a confessional about feeling really bad about having to vote out her best friend, Ashley. In the merge episode, Natalie gets the point of view scene of her flipping uh, glue against Eric. Like, Natalie, at various points, tells the story from her point of view. It's just that that happens, like, four times over the season because Russell sucks up the entire season. Yeah, or at least gets to talk, even if it's not in confessional. Like, it gets to kind of articulate her thoughts through a cipher or something like they really played with things a lot with natalie and like you get it a little bit with laurel but not enough and again there's no super obvious like yeah. losing goat guy so yeah <laughs> and that's and that's and that's the issue with laurel is that like it's just like there's two there's other people with good edits and like and she and she just doesn't she doesn't quite hit that threshold even though she has the she has connections she has stories and really most importantly to that type of edit i think and i think the thing that jenna's kind of lacking is that laurel has positivity yes. like they, they they have spent a lot of time giving us positive moments for laurel with things like her dominating challenges and making sure we really know mm-hmm. it with okay so i guess like a good follow-up question for both of you is i have no idea because i don't think laurel is the winner i have no idea why they've devoted so much time to her because they're kind of telling us she's secondary, but not really. Uh, Joe, where do you think Laurel ends up in this season? If she's not the winner, I think she's there at the end. Like a losing finalist? Like either that or the fourth place. Uh, I guess that is possible. Because we talked like about... She could be the Devon. Yeah, we talked about her being the Devon. So I think that's possible. Actually, I don't really see her outside of a end four at this point. Yeah, that makes um, sense to me. I mean, I'm thinking similarly, like... like I guess I there's think... a chance she gets idled or something. Yeah, like Laurel, like Laurel getting idled, I think is definitely on the table. Like her edit is low key and positive enough that like an idol boot would make sense. I think it'd be a tragedy. It's like, oh, this girl had so much potential. I think yeah, that that, like, that is on the table. I feel like barring idol shenanigans, like this the Wendell, Dom, Laurel, Donathan group, like, that group, either someone gets idled out or, like, brutally blindsided at some point, but the rest of the group makes it or all four of them make it to the finale. Like, that group yeah. is the group that we're, we've been told to care about, right? Yeah. Yeah, to me, I'm, I'm, I am I'm would say finale not winner. Yeah, that I, I feel like finale non-winner for Laurel. I, I'd say that or idled, one of the yeah. two. So I guess up next is Sebastian. For me, I would love if he wins. He's fun. Uh, I don't think it's really on the table. I do think there's a chance he is a major character. I think I think Sebastian's one of the characters who, in Act Two, like he, it, it, like he's been shown as a proxy of Chris early on, but now that he has this relationship established with Wendell, I think that that relationship with Wendell needs to have a payoff in Act Two. Presum- I think the end of Act, act I, I think the end of Act One. This is my bet. Will be Sebastian turning his back on Chris to Wendell. That 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 would actually that would actually that actually makes more sense than what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. Like to me, like I feel like they've set that up. I don't know. It, it just makes a lot of sense to devote Sebastian Chris is such a duo because I think Sebastian has much more longevity than Chris but it makes sense to set him up as super close to Chris in like bonding with him as a good way to show how great Wendell is down the line. That would make sense. Yeah, I think it is interesting how Sebastian has all these relationships with Chris, with Wendell, with Jenna, and, like, 
we need to see where he falls if the next episode is really about Chris versus Dom, which it's going to be like where are they where him and jenna going to fall yeah i i do think one thing that's kind of interesting like honestly if say in episode four sebastian said something about winning the game and like some sort of like long-term game plan i really do think he would be a viable winner candidate like he has been kind of just interjected at weird times he's been shielded from negativity like he is one of these characters who it's like i feel like if they if they give him a little attention in terms of long-term stories like i feel like people would be speculating he wins yeah yep yeah, I agree. I think that Wendell, I, not Wendell, Sebastian, I think Sebastian exists in a, like, slightly more visible, slightly more crafted space that, like, Jenna exists in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, they, they, they both clearly have had some degree of caring put into their edits, which, like, yeah, and my theory for that, that matter. Think, yeah, like, I think what I said makes sense with that is that he's going to be our emotional kind of narrator. Like, the one who is gonna, like, tell us who we should believe in kind of thing. Like, every like every now and then he shows up to kind of, like, positively spin on somebody and then fade to get back into the background because I think he is so earnest-sounding, he is so genuine-sounding. They, they can use him as kind of an emotional cipher. Him and Jenna could be the fifth and the sixth. And it's True, this that like also. six of pairs where it's the four we've talked about and then those two. Yeah, something And like, Jenna outlives him by selling him out or something. I think that actually or, makes a lot of Or sense. Sebastian just like falls on the sword or some shit. Yeah, like I think that that all like like a like a final Jenna four, outlives Sebastian. Yeah, Jen, Jenna outliving Sebastian I think is a relatively safe bet given their interaction in whatever episode that was four, five, five episode five. And I think that like, yeah, the final like a final four of like Wendell Dominic, Donathan, Laurel, and then like Sebastian, Laurel, fifth, six. If you were to ask me what I think was probabilistically the most like likely F6 to make finale, I would say that with the asterisks of like, yeah, but it's still probably probably like a, I don't know, 1% chance given the like infinite other possibilities. Extreme amount of variables, yeah. yeah. I, I'm pretty much on the same boat. Like, I feel like you could sub in a couple other people. Like, I think Michael has a chance. I think Kellen has a chance. I think there's a chance Dominic's not there, stuff like that. But at yeah, the like, end of the day, yeah. Yeah, like there's a chance like Dominic or Laurel doesn't make it and like like like, like there's a million things that could happen, but like like that seems like one where like the story threads it would make sense and the characters we've been told to care about and who the editors have told us like matters. Like like all of that would align for an F six where like that like that one you know, you, you could say like if someone were to say, like, I'm 100% spoiled on the season and this is your F6, I would be like, yeah, you're not, like, you could not be bullshitting me. Yep, yeah, that, that makes sense. With, yeah. Uh, so I think that's good for Sebastian. I feel like we've talked a lot about Wendell because all three of us have him as our winner pick, right? Yeah. Yeah, uh, insert winner, winner, chicken, dinner. Yeah, per- <laughs> like, pretty I much. Think, like, I don't know if either of you watched Drag Race, but that was a Drag Race joke. I do watch Drag Race and I did not catch it, so. Uh, anyways, no, like, Wendell, like, Wendell, it. Like, if, if someone at this point, after last episode, and after, like, fucking Nicole got serenaded and Wendell went and found an idol, they still don't have Wendell as their top winner pick. I'm Think just about like, how Dude. many people out there have family members, cousins, dogs, whatever, that have birthdays. And we get <laughs> Wendell's girlfriend's birthday as the super emotional scene. Like, to me, this honestly reads like the, like the editors are, like, desperate to get emotional content for someone who's kind of young. 
Like, like, oh no, um, uh, does he have it? Like, does he have like a mom thing? No, uh, oh, <laughs> gotta show something. Uh, he loves his girlfriend, I guess. Uh, I guess, <laughs> yeah, air that. Why not? I think when you were saying that this episode made it a three horse race between Michael, Dominic, and Wendell, like, just the outright positivity of. Wendell's moment just makes it feel so one-sided in his favor. Yep, like, to me, uh, to be clear, I was saying, I think that was their intent. I think they failed miserably by yeah. dumping Wendell positivity, being like, like, I really think this is one of the most obvious winner scene episodes ever. I think the shell scene is in that tier as well. Crap, and crap. his premiere is in that tier. Like, <laughs> I think he had the best premiere of all time. Think he had one of the best winter scenes with that shell scene, and then somehow that shell scene might even be forgotten about because of this freaking happy birthday scene. Yeah, like that's and that and that's the big thing, right? He's just he's got so much consistently good content, and like in this episode with Wendell finding that idol and having that tied to like his girlfriend's birthday, like you can juxtapose that directly to Michael's idol finding scene. <laughs> Yes. Where Michael has, like, no personal content in it. He just, like, goes and finds an idol and is like, yay, I found this idol. This is really important to my game. And you know what's even a better comparison for me is Michael's first idol find that Stephanie narrates. Like, <laughs> <laughs> they're not even on the same tier, right? Like, like Wendell is so, in my opinion, like, so in the front that... The only real doubt I have at this point is, like, are they just giving him so much that, like, is he going to have, like, a weird villainous turn? Um, I... But that's, like, a 1% possibility. Like, the only way I really think he is not winning is if he, like, is one, I think there's one candidate who we'll talk about later who does have a possibility to steal it from him. But I do think overwhelmingly, like, Wendell is 100%, I feel like, in the top five. Like, I don't think there is a chance he leaves. His story is so long-term. Uh, yeah. I really feel like we've talked him to death, but yeah. I do think he is really one of the most in-your-face winners we've had in, if he is going to be our winner, in a long time. And that is one of the things that makes me be like, maybe he isn't. So I think that the issue is that, like, we're talking about in-your-face from the perspective of, like, Edric, but, like, to the casual viewer... Like, I yeah. think that this is, that, like, Wendell is more hidden than even a lot of other recent winners have been, sort of, to the casual viewer. Big yeah. time. Like, you Like, know, I think Ben was an obvious winner to the casual audience and not an obvious winner to Edric. Yeah, like... I think Wendell is an obvious winner to Edric, but not necessarily to the casual audience. Yeah, I think that, So, like, like, it's a good story being told. Yeah, it's just... Yeah, I think that, like, plot. a good comparison is, like, with Michelle. Like, people who knew Edric latched on to Michelle really quickly. But, like, meanwhile, casual viewers were overwhelmingly, like, behind the Aubrey and Sydney trains. And then you have Edricers getting accused of being spoiled because they could see that, like, no, Michelle is the winner because, like... Because the winner doesn't get shown as having a nervous emotional breakdown in episode one. I mean, among a million other things, like, Sydney's yeah. edit Sydney's edit was super flawed, uh, Aubrey's edit was super flawed, and Michelle's edit was, from an Edric perspective, just, you know, really good in a season where no one else really had that after Anna went home. Yep, yep. I think the one I, thing... I, go sorry, ahead. No, I, no, go ahead. I think the one thing I had to say about Wendell was, back in episode three, when Navidi lost, he was like, this tribe is never going to lose. And I think this... And he also says he's gung-ho about getting rid of Angela. That too. I guess that didn't resolve. But this part resolved because it sort of clicks with the whole Malolo is cursed. Malolo goes to almost every tribal. And so it sort of redeems him for that. And so... Yeah. 
it's not such a big problem. I think looking at this, how the season is playing out with that four, the episode three tribal just feels really like an anomaly because Donathan and Laurel aren't featured a lot in it. And yeah, you would get Dominic and Wendell completely contradicted with it. But yeah, I think that I honestly think that it's a minor enough detail that like, you know, you you can kind of gloss over it. The fact that Navidi never lost thereafter is like kind of not is like pretty good. Yeah, I guess the one thing that is possible just now that we've been kind of talking through it and I've been kind of formulating ideas, I think there actually is a possibility that Wendell could be our losing finalist to Laurel. I don't think it's extremely likely, but it actually kind of makes sense if Dominic does take a hard villain turn and if it's a Dominic, Laurel, Wendell final three, I do think there is a chance that Wendell gets micked, like Mick from Samoa and Dominic is our figurehead for negativity and stuff dominic or wendell gets kind of wrapped into that being like you just let this happen even though mick was positive for most of the entire season he at the end he takes this quick turn it's like you were just russell's henchman we'll vote for natalie that's that's the worst case scenario i think for wendell i don't I, i i would take that off the table because like i think that the like mick versus wendell wendell has a lot better content i um I think that like Mick Mick's content was tonally very neutral throughout the entire season and his content was very non-complex. Um I think that like if you like Shambo's FTC speech where she describes Mick's entire game as feckless, his entire yes. edit was kind of feckless. And I think that with uh with Wendell we have a lot of depth there that Mick really never got. And so I think yep, I, that, I that, that for me is why I would take out that Wendell Laurel, like Laurel beating Wendell in FTC situation. And for me, if anything, if Wendell and Laurel are in FTC together, Wendell just overshadows Laurel. And that's why Laurel gets so Yeah, and content. like they like clap for Laurel and they're like, good job on second place. But <laughs> yeah, basically. Um, yeah, so that's, I feel like we've talked Wendell to death. Uh, someone who we really need to get to, who's top tier entertainment value is our girl Chelsea. She sits. Yeah, she sits. She drinks coffee. She cries. This was actually a great episode for Chelsea. By far her best one. Uh, <laughs> when you have no fucking content, having content makes it your best episode. Like, like Chelsea is, and you know, I'm not, you know, people are saying, oh, she's getting the purple edit. Like, no, that's a misuse of the word purple edit. Her edit is not nearly terrible enough to be purple, but it's it the worst edit of the bit. season. Pardon? It was for a little bit outdated meme at this point. She's I mean, just like, a secondary character. I mean, yeah, she, she's just like a character who really doesn't matter. She is the least relevant person on the season. She's like JP was last season. Like, just someone yep. who's going to go home at some point, and no one's gonna... Like, it just... It, she, she won't get over, She probably... She... Bleh. I think at this point she is more visible than JP was. Yeah, but only maybe my virtue of going to so many tribal councils. Yeah, yeah, that's, true. Yes. Um, although JP also went to a lot of tribal councils and just, like, wasn't there for a bunch of them. Yeah, I don't know. Um, honestly, her content in this episode was pretty good. It's it shows that she has like a heart, I guess. I don't know. She's not winning. <laughs> she's not gonna. She's not gonna matter. Honestly, yeah. do we have like? But, do you want anything? Anything? The, the only thing I want to add to that is to our listeners of the show: go back and watch Nicaragua to see what the purple edit truly was. Like Chelsea's edit is quiet, but it's not purple quiet. Purple quiet requires like eight episodes of no confessionals with the editors intentionally poking fun of the fact that you have no confessionals. And then when you do get a confessional, it's about how you milk your own fucking milk. <laughs> yep. Yeah, like, the closest to a purple, like, purple Kelly edit, the shinning star, if you will, is JP, I think. Like, I don't think, or Leaf. 
Like Leaf is another candidate, or just like completely not on the Leaf, show ever. Leaf, Leaf was Leaf. Like the the character. There's a few characters who have been in that Purple Kelly tier. Leaf is certainly one of them. Uh, Whitney in South Pacific. Rick Nelson also one of them in South Pacific. <laughs> I think I think Rick. Yeah, I think Rick might have also had like half a confessional per episode or something. But like he also JP had the more had the same amount of confessionals as Simone, who was the second boot, who didn't <laughs> get many, who was invisible in the first episode. He had f- like five confessionals in the oh entire god. season. Oh my god, that's too real. Okay, we're done. Yeah, like with literally we two of them were in the first episode. This. Wait, I did not. I did not say the crazy conspiracy theory where they're just slowly building up Chelsea. She's the dog that didn't bark. Chelsea winner, 2018. <laughs> yeah, Chelsea winning would be the ultimate like fuck you to Edgic. So whatever, she's she's number four. <laughs> they would just break every tenet of like how do you tell a story? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if Chelsea wins, this is this is the last season of Survivor. <laughs> um. So someone is the opposite of Chelsea. This is kind of fun that they're back to back. Because we can talk a lot about visibility here. So the big reason, like, you don't want an invisible winner is because then the ca- casual audience and even the edgicking audience don't know who they are. The winners are a huge part of the story, and that's why edgic works. Um, on the flip side, having a winner who's constantly in your throat, constantly in your face, like, just being bombarded with content from them is also not a good look for winner because then people get sick of them. And I feel like Chelsea and Dominic are the two ends of the spectrum. Uh, Dominic is super visible at all times even when he's not super necessary at all he's five visibility in the first premiere in the premiere like he is the most visible character in this season and he's gone to tribal twice yeah yeah i think that like dominic is clearly a big important main character and we're obviously about to get this payoff with chris where he's going to overcome chris because that seems to be the way the story is set up um because we care a lot more about people associated with dominic than we care about people associated with chris and more people are associated with dominic than chris but i think the thing for me with Dominic is a lot of people like a lot of people have Dominic as a top two winner pick with Wendell and for me frankly if Dominic wins I'm just gonna stop doing tones on Edric like tonal tones exist because tonal consistency is a thing that once upon a time Edric really cared about like once upon a time it was like a pre-merge m-tone meant that you were just straight up eliminated because winners didn't get pre-merge m-tones and the editors have definitely played a lot more with tonal consistency in more recent winners um I would say Mike and Ben are two good examples Ben Adam and Mike I think are really the three good examples of like tonal consistency like being being really played with a lot of people bring up tony but tony wasn't totally inconsistent he was yeah just tony negative. was m the entire or n sorry the entire time yeah he was he was neutral to negative the entire time todd same thing but like mike and ben and adam had like explicit tonal inconsistency baked into their edit a little bit but they also both followed like this arc where they both start where they all three of them started out positive went negative, negative in back. the early merge and then swung back positive at the end yeah and dominic has just been like from episode one like tonally all over the place in a way that like if he wins just the editors no longer care like almost this episode this episode's dominic doesn't feel like the dominic we saw in the premiere like this dominic was like level-headed like not like going all over the place looking for idols and then the one in the premiere is doing that and like showing them to people and is paranoid and i guess we got and he's that shown point... as super socially awkward i think yeah like, I... I really do think he's shown as a very unnecessarily abrasive i feel like the fact like wendell kind of got to dig a little bit of a dagger into him when he was talking about like like sebastian's like you know, I really didn't know Wendell much until now when he's away from Dominic. He's so much better when he's away from Dominic. Like, I really do think, like, he's being 
positioned as this kind of negative energy yeah. and like inconsistent like inconsistent's a lot worse than negative um and in addition to that he would be if he were to win he would be the first winner since richard hatch to be five a vi- five, uh, five visibility in the premiere the first really? one since richard hatch like Boston, Boston Rob, Rob was a premiere. four. So to me, when he doesn't even go to tribal, like I don't think you can excuse that. I don't know. I don't think it's a hard and fast rule that the winner can't be five. But the fact that he didn't even go to tribal, he wasn't a decoy booty. Like all yeah. these like asterisks. It's just like I think that's one of the things you do want to be careful about because it's not like the editors make an edit chart and then edit yes. from that. So R five doesn't mean anything to most people. But I think it's a good guideline that they're not going. It does to mean just... overexposed. Put them out there and be like, here's a person to care about the entire season when they win. Yeah, because yeah, one day you know they're going to give a winner a five visibility, and then some people are going to miss it because they're just like, a winner can't be five. But I do think yep. Dominic, plus the tonal inconsistency, plus this five visibility, plus his story, I don't think really making sense. To me, I've never really considered him a huge winner possibility. Yeah. But I also just tend to dislike this archetype. Yeah, I, 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 I think I'm in agreement. He's been sitting in my charts, but never really at the top. I think I've had him second a few times, maybe. But like, I think, I think it's just like, yeah, it's just the super tonal inconsistency. He's overexposed. If we're talking about Wendell as a like old school sort of lower key editing paradigm like dominic, dominic is fits, the new one well Dom, dominic to the old school paradigm dominic fits in as like the distraction yes yeah 100 percent. yeah I, that's a wonderful way to put it and if he is the winner the rules of edric will have f- fundamentally changed in my i mean like, like i said i'll just stop doing tones because like yeah. who who gives a fuck with who gives a fuck about tones after like dominic wins this season right like tone just no longer matters yep yeah, I think whereas, like, with Chelsea, if she were to win, it would just, like, not make sense and be really bad for Survivor as a franchise. With Dominic winning, it's like, you get it, but it doesn't make good sense. It doesn't make story sense. Yeah. Like, like I think, like, with Chelsea winning, like, you fundamentally just have a statement from the editors of, like, we don't care about storytelling anymore. Well, I feel like if Chelsea wins the, like, if this, in this weird hypothetical, I, I feel like the story from the editor's point of view is this girl is so boring we decided to just tell the story completely around her and ignore the fact that she won. Yeah, I mean, that, that would have to be what it is, right? Like, I, I think that at the end of the day, like, the editors are telling a story, and Edric is ultimately, like, trying to... Manip- like, like check sy- out the manipulation of stories. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's like a, it's a systemic... It's trying to build a systemic approach to, like, how the editors are crafting these stories. Yeah. And, like, like Chelsea winning is, like, the editors just stop giving a shit about telling the story of the winner. Dominic winning is, like, there's been a fundamental paradigm shift in how these stories get told. Yep. Yes, exactly. Uh, anyway, up next is Donathan. To me, he is on the table, but barely. But I do think there is a, gr- a community of people who are still rab- rabidly believe in Donathan being our winner. I-, I don't completely disagree. I mean, like, tell me I'm wrong about Wendell and I'd go to Donathan. Like, yes. that that's the only other thing that really makes sense to me. Like, there are red flags with Donathan's edit around when he's been peaking versus when he's been valleying, yes. especially around swap episodes. But he's totally consistent. His edit is not a growth edit as much as his edit seems, as much as he seems like the person who should get a growth edit and as growthy as his edit sort of seemed in the first like 15 minutes, it never really went off. Yeah, he grew end. in the first episode and then... <laughs> 
That's like, it. he didn't even, like, grow over an episode. Like, he was just consistently positively toned in the, at the start. It wasn't like, you know, he never had his David Wright spazzing out moment. He never had his Holly, like, stealing True. Dan's shoes and th- sinking them in the ocean moment. He never had his Kathy Vivrake O'Brien, like, breakdown. Yeah, really, like... He's talking like he's getting the growth at it at times, but he's not. Like, he's talking about, like, man, I'm learning to appreciate myself and view the horizons well, and I'm not getting stuck in my head so much. Now, like, it used to be about other people, now it's about me. But actions, and really, the story is not giving us that at all. Yeah, like, this, like, like Donathan, Donathan has an edit that edically, like, frankly, if you take out two bad swap episodes, Donathan's edit is pretty fucking good. Yeah. Yep. You add in two bad swap episodes, and then you look at the fact that Wendell had one kind of bad swap episode, and one, like, really really good swap episode and wendell's the clear front runner but like i think that you know an absolute discounting of donathan seems a little premature i do think relevant to what we're talking about with the swap episode invisibility is in episode six jeff probe says here's the fact the turning points are the parts where strong players shine and the weak players fade Regardless how you're feeling right now, your odds of getting to the end are better. Uh, brand new start to Ghost Island. And this is where Wendell breaks out and Donathan disappears. I feel like the fact that Jeff Probst, in like a really on-the-nose, in-your-face moment, talks about how the turning points, like a swap, are crucial for good players. And these are the moments where Donathan is crucially missing. And to me, that's almost enough to eliminate him. But I do think there is some, like a chance they're doing something funny. I mean, maybe. But at the, at, the, at the same time, like, like, it, he, like Donathan said it, it's like, it looks better than everyone else's, but like Wendell still exists. And I think yep. that it's, you can, you can kind of leave it at that. I don't think that we need to get too much more into it. Like, yeah, like know, if Wendell gets idled out, Donathan's our winner. It's just, <laughs> if, if anything, if anything happens to Wendell, Donathan's our winner. Like I would absolutely like, that is the way I would jump ship. Um, but yeah, like, you know, it's, yeah, I mean, he, he just has like a solid edit with a few glaring weaknesses relative to the better edit and he's, he's, but he's still involved in the complex group that looks like it's going to take up the majority of end gamers. Um, he has strong individual connections with multiple people. Like he, he's, he, he's hit a lot of those right notes. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I have problems with those weak swap episodes, but otherwise it looks good. I think this episode's a little weird. He didn't get as much credit as he should have, I think and i know there's been some like discussion around that but like to me after me after first watching this episode for the first viewing i was like you know what wendell is my only contender i've eliminated everybody else a couple people on unspoiled actually kind of made me which is an editing form uh actually kind of convinced me that donathan makes sense to have as a number two because there is the possibility that wendell is just too big like like does get cut sadly he's our tragic hero or something like that I, i think that makes sense and in addition like if this guy makes the end he's winning like i feel like there's no chance he loses a jury vote and he's right in there at the end i feel like 100 percent. so those two things combined i feel like it would be irresponsible to actually eliminate him yeah i mean i'm i mean uh, I, i'm the same way like i have him at number two i've had him at number two for a few episodes now and i think that like yeah like you know at the end of the day like we don't know 100 percent what's going to happen and we're just trying to infer things from what we have so far and you know it's all probabilities that we're playing with and yep. we'll be right about some things we'll be wrong about other things and you know i if you ask me like with what percent certainty do i think wendell wins i would probably say 80 to 85 percent yeah i'm probably other, at like 80 that other 20 to 15 percent like mostly lives in donathan lives i would do a little 18 bit. donathan two laurel yeah mike for me it's like similar one breakdown Jenna somehow and i'd have like one percent dominic tonal consistency just no longer matters and i'm just True. never writing yep. down tones again 
And I would also probably put 1% Kellen. I do think there is a weird world where she wins. I don't think I, it's this one. But... I really I, I really don't think it's Kellen or Michael. I also I... hope not. Please no. Yeah, Com- I keep... Complex Tribe Theory is my god. Kellen and Michael aren't winning. It's one of that core four. Yeah, I keep wanting to bring back Kellen, but then I remember... Like, now that she's getting literal zooms on one bad decision can haunt you forever, I'm like, that's not a winner. I, I can't bring her back. Yeah, like, the only chance Kellen really has is if everyone else somehow fucks up. Like, if the story is, she doesn't make one bad decision, but everyone else makes them, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> that would that sure would be a story. And then, so I, I think we're good with Donathan. Yeah, finally, it's Libby. I hope she comes out as a big character again. I love her. Libby's... She's not winning. I don't think she's relevant to the main story. No, I think, like, like I said earlier, Libby has a very, like, cattily edit um, back from Fans vs. Jerry's. I don't even know what her actual last name is. Like, wow, you're just not a that? super fan, I guess. Oh, Natalie Clearly. Bolton? Oh, Bolton, yeah, Bolton. Yeah. Wow, um, you're still yeah. just not a super fan. I'm I mean, just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> she no, just I mean, won I... the Inside Survivor fan favorite vote. Wow. But I, I did what? No, uh, Catalie did. Oh, Catalie did? Oh, yeah, no, Catalie was a great character, but like I think that Libby is a very similar character in that regard, where it's like, she literally doesn't exist, and then she exists really hard for an episode, and then she goes back to like not existing, and like she'll appear again and exist really hard for another episode, and I, like that's just her edit pattern, which like is obviously not a winner. Your your winner edit is not going to be like invis invis CP four invis 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 yeah. CP three like no it's it the, goes against the nature yeah. of storytelling. Did you see Australian Survivor from this last year? Uh, I only watched most of the first season of the reboot. Okay, do you care if we? Go, go ahead. Okay, because, like, Tessa from that Yeah, she's Tessa. Is just, like... She For was any viewers who watch Australian first... Survivor 2. Yeah. Well, she's... it's really, like, Australian Survivor, like, 5 or something, but... Yes, yeah, uh, rebooted Australian Survivor 2. There was a character, Tessa, who just... Literally went invisible, invisible, like, oh, like, 13 confessionals. Invisible, 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 13 confessionals. Yeah. And yeah. And that's, like, Libby. So, like, she, she's a she's a fun character. I think that she's, like, you know, kind of similar to Dez, kind of similar to Chelsea, you know, a, not necessarily Jenna, but maybe in that space that Jenna sort of almost occupies. Like, she's someone who just, like, kind of got lost in the narrative of what happened and who ultimately won. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But like they still decide to just periodically show her because she's they clearly like, like her and she's good TV and she and she she's like and when she pops up she adds to the story right like she made yep. that Morgan Boot episode more compelling yeah yeah a hundred percent so yeah that's everybody Bradley. I feel like we talked about Bradley We're not do, gonna... do we have anything else to add about Bradley I feel like a lot of our he was a good he was a good premerge villain may he rest in peace rest in peace. good old school villain please come it's back. really hard not being a dick guys. <laughs> <laughs> do you guys want to see him back? I think I do. Yes, but I like, uh, want to see like all these people back. That's, that's I want to see a lot of them back. Yeah. That, it's it's sort of getting to the point. I think that like casting has gotten deep enough where like on a lot of seasons, like this season, Triple H, um, not as much co wrong, but like there's just like so like casting has gotten so solid where like you know this season there's maybe like two casting duds, whereas for like a good chunk of this show's run, like half the cast was not good yeah um that's at the point where it's like yeah like all these people are people who like i would be upset if they didn't come back but if i'm also thinking of like people from the past like even four seasons that i for all newbie seasons that i'd want to see back again i don't think bradley's in that top half mm. that's probably fair like i would be happy to see him and i would be reminded but when it comes to like a second chance or something he's not gonna be somebody who i'm like oh i hope bradley's on here 
Yeah, like, there's there's a lot of other people I would vote over Bradley from recent seasons, but he's not someone like, say, I don't know, Brad Caleb. Culpepper. Or Caleb or something. Brad, Brad Culpepper I was actually happy Yeah, Brad I was that. fine with. Caleb is the good example where it's just like, why? Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> like, Brad, although I would say based off of 1.0 performance, Brad maybe didn't deserve a 2.0 chance. Neither did Sarah. Neither did Troy Zan. But um, I think that Sarah and Brad came back and brought pretty good TV, and Troy Zan brought memes, so. <laughs> yeah. So I guess that's whatever. That's good enough for Bradley. Uh, so let's just go through quick each who each person thinks is going to be the merge boot. I'm going to go with Angela. How about you, Joe? Uh, I'm going to pass for now while I think real quick. I'm just not so sure on Angela. I'm, okay, okay. I, I'm going to say, like, uh, I would say I'm, I'm split between Angela Chris with, like, a 10% side bet that it's actually, like, Libby. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, but I, 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 think that, I think that, like, Angela Chris... Uh, maybe even like ten percent. Maybe that side bet's like ten percent, like Libby or Kellen. Um, but I think that Angela or Chris just—I don't see how this story makes sense if it's not one of the two of them. Yeah, I think that's where I would end. I mean, I have all sorts of crazy theories. I'm like, what if this season just completely throws us a curveball and Wendell goes? Like, that would be incredible. Like, like what? If, what if storytelling just stops making sense? Is like, like, yeah, that—that's a possibility that storytelling just stops making sense. But like, I feel like. The payoff just has to be there that yeah. Chris or Chris's immediate proxy goes home. Yeah. I mean, Anyways, that's... yeah. Like, and we all, I think we all have the same winner board, right? It's Wendell, Donathan. I have Wendell, Laurel. Wendell, Laurel. Okay. Yeah. I have Wendell, Donathan, Laurel, Dominic. I, I just have Wendell, Dominic, or Wendell, Donathan. Uh, I, I try to, I, I try to play the fun game of eliminating people as fast as I can, which got me in a lot of trouble last season. Should have rode the Ben wagon harder. Oh, yeah. As a, uh, yeah as someone who was on that bandwagon very early mm-hmm. yes yes but he is also like your type okay oh my god i mean ben is ben is one of my favorite like new survivors from like post 30 like ben was great tv for me he's uh he's on the other end of the spectrum i immediately i'm like oh i know what this guy's story is gonna be i well, i already know all his content please don't let him win I mean, like, yeah. yeah, okay, fine. Yeah, okay, fine. The, like, ex-Marine doing better for his family life story, like, okay, fine. That's not the most, like, unique personal story. And actually, this actually sounds really fucking bitchy. And I, but, like, I think what I liked about Ben wasn't the ex-Marine stuff. It wasn't the being out there for his family. What I liked secret about agent. Ben. Pardon? It was the secret agent stuff. That was fun. I mean, the secret agent stuff was fun, but, like, even outside of the gameplay stuff, what I liked about Ben was his energy mm-hmm. and, like, his enthusiasm. Um, his ferocity that transcended the game. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, yes. But, like, that was, that was for me, the fun thing to watch was, like, Ben got to that game and he turned on and he was just, like, such a fucking, like, high-energy, enthusiastic machine who just, like, looked like he was having fun playing this game and was just going to keep playing it super hard and i think that a lot of why i liked ben is that like if i were on survivor like you know ben's strategic missteps are not a thing i would like to imitate but ben's like enthusiasm high energy constant effort and sort of like i'm not fucking giving up attitude are things that i would absolutely love to replicate to conclude for us uh well thank you to matt 
Our website is thewinnersedit.wordpress.com. Uh, there's a contact form there if you want to email us um, your feedback. Otherwise, you can email us directly at thewinneredit at gmail.com. Um, if you want, you can leave a review on iTunes. That seems to be the way for podcasts to get noticed. Um, if you have friends who watch Survivor with you or you talk to them about Survivor, maybe tell them about us if you're listening and they might be interested in that. Um, word of mouth is always great. Um, we're trying to release we aim, yeah. episodes. We aim for episodes on Sundays. Uh, it's just a, it seems to be the best day for just visibility and also the best time for me to get out uh, editing this thing. Editing podcast takes a decent amount of time. Yeah. Um, um, and yeah, if you want, you can follow me at, on Twitter at Danny Kills Bees. Um, I sometimes tweet about Survivor. Uh, so yeah. I'm not a very good tweeter. I probably don't recommend uh, it. But. I'm worse than him, but you can follow me at jchapman9000. So thank you so much. I hope you enjoyed the show. Yeah. See you next week for the merge.